church. I invite you guys to stand with us as we get ready to sing. Oh, 
Hey guys, good morning again. Thanks for uh, worshiping with us today. Hey, before we get uh, ready to go into our time of communion, I want to give you guys uh, just one quick announcement. Uh, these are uh, Nino bags, and they are out at the table out in the lobby. And what they are um, are just simply an offering from us to our partners, our together partners in Guatemala. We have a, um, a missionary down there. His name's Luke Dove. He grew up in our church. And so he is the youth minister at a community center that reaches about two or 300 kids in Guatemala City. And so they do an after school program. Uh, they reach orphans and kids that are just kind of on the streets and all kinds of stuff going on in Guatemala City. And so um, every year, last year and this year, and this is kind of becoming a tradition for us, uh, we're filling these bags with just some small toys and goodies to then box up and send to Guatemala so that they they can give out uh, to kids there in the community. So we ask you guys, if you would, to take a bag or two or three or ten or whatever, take them home, fill them up with stuff. The instructions are in there. Everything's in there. You just bring them back here. we got to have them back here by October the 10th. We'll box them up in a truck, a U-Haul truck. We'll drive them to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And then from there, they'll go in a big shipping container and they'll head to uh, Guatemala to be there in time for Christmas. So we wanted you guys to know about that uh, this morning. Those bags are out in the lobby. Hey, today is September the 11th, and if you're of a certain age, right, you remember exactly where you were on September the 11th, 2001, when our nation was attacked by terrorists. I remember that morning vividly. Some of you guys weren't maybe born yet. Some of you were little and you don't remember it. You've heard, obviously, people talk about it and you've read about it in history books now. But for those of us who experienced everything that went around that time, we, we remember. And so today is, is another one of those times where our country stops and remembers a significant event in New York and in Pennsylvania and at the Pentagon. A significant event happened on September 11th, 2001. And one of the little tag phrases that's gone along with that, right, is never forget. Right? That we would never forget the people who, who lost their lives that day, the things that happened that day, and the subsequent wars that our country would be put in because of that day. We pause from time to time, don't we, to remember significant events. I was not alive when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, but I remember my parents growing up telling me about that horrific day and where they were as young people and how that affected them. You probably have other significant events in your life that you pause to remember from time to time. Maybe the death of a dearly loved family member. Maybe the birth of a child. An anniversary, right? A significant event that you pause to remember. Each Sunday, right, we get to stop. We get to pause. We get to remember the most significant event that ever happened when Jesus went to the cross, when he gave himself for all of us, for all of humanity, for all of mankind, so that we would not have to face hell, 
that we could have an eternity in heaven with God and his son. And Jesus does that for us through the cross. And that's what communion is. It's a time for us to remember a significant event, the most significant event. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for those who are gathered here in this room this morning, your church, your people who have gathered to worship, to sing, to hear your word proclaimed, to share together in the next few minutes, communion, this thing that we share together, this, this Lord's Supper, this meal that, that we pause to take that reminds us of a body that was broken, of blood that was shed, the blood of the innocent Son of God for my sins, for our sins. And God, we, we thank you for that. We cannot repay you for that. But what we can do is stop to remember the most significant thing that ever happened in this world. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope that that brings us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
You all can be seated. that praise team all right man <laughs> aren't you guys glad we hired alice i mean Stu. <laughs> and man the whole team it was man it was what man that was awesome 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 and hey you know we don't get to say this a lot anymore but you know saturday was uh, or this weekend was a good college football day around here right for everybody for everybody you know hey man we went to florida both teams went to florida and like they don't want no more of us right right so that was good man we're glad you guys are here today like jason said it is a special day um remembering Remembering, remembering what happened, and that's part of the legacy that we've had to pass on to our kids. And so we are, we are kind of making this shift today, this pivot today. Okay, we're about halfway through this series uh, that we're calling "Better." It's all about being better at home, not being perfect at home. We keep talking about that because perfect is not possible, right? But we're all going to try to do better at home, better in our marriages, better in our parenting, better in our grandparenting, better with our neighbors, better with our co-workers. We're just trying to do things better and so we started this series off talking about how important it was to realize that even when we're broken God can put things back together and I showed you the principle of Kintsuki where the Japanese principle where they uh, take broken pottery and porcelain and stuff and put it back together with molten gold uh, and it makes it even stronger than it was before and so that even when our families are broken we can work on things and put them back together in a good good way we talked about how important it is to have a solid foundation in the second week and that ideally you get that solid foundation built from the very beginning but even if there's problems in the foundation you go back in and you shore up the foundation so you don't have a, a horrible collapse like that condominium uh, in Miami Beach that we looked at the video of and, and then last week we challenged you to have a date night and, and here's the deal some of you guys are doing good I'm starting to see pictures now and I realize it takes a little bit of time with scheduling but here's the cool thing I know that we printed 400 of those white packets and those ones over there on that community that's all that's left so there's like 40 some left so that means we got 350 360 of those things out i'm up to about a dozen pictures i've seen now so that means a bunch of y'all still got some pictures to be taken or posting up about your date night but i'm hearing some really really cool stories about date night and about what all went on with that so i'm looking forward to that but today the shift we're making is from talking about the the foundation the beginning of family and marriage we're talking we're going to shift now to talking for a few weeks about parenting and about grandparenting and about passing things on and legacy and I'm going to talk uh, this week and next week and then Jason's going to uh, talk in a couple weeks and we're just going to spend about three weeks just talking about some parenting skills and what that looks like and what we can learn so here's the deal here's the deal like we've said about a bunch of these things in this series the principles the principles apply to everybody so here's the deal if, if you're thinking about having kids, today's for you. If you've got toddlers crawling around the house, today's for you. 
If you've got uh, elementary kids kind of starting to test their oaths, today's for you. <laughs> if you've got teenagers, we're sorry, uh, but today's for you. Um, if you've got kids leaving home for college, this message is for you. If you've got kids that are grown, sort of, they're on their own, like this message for you. These principles apply to everyone because you, you, all of us were parented. And newsflash, none of you received perfect parenting. A lot of you received really good parenting. But none of you receive perfect parenting because like we've been saying, they are not perfect people either. They were flawed. And so there's things that we've got to figure out. But here's, here's the best part though. While we didn't receive perfect parenting here on earth, we have a perfect father. We have a perfect father who loves us deeply. And that's important to know because parenting, if you're in it, you know this. You know, if you're already in it, if you know, you know, all right? If you're not in it yet, we're going to try to help you understand. Parenting is difficult. It's difficult at best. Jim Gaffigan said, you want to know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. That's what it's like having a fourth kid. Jerry Seinfeld said, uh, having a two-year-old is like, is like having a blender and having no idea where the top is. That's what it's like uh, parenting a two-year-old. And so uh, a word of warning, if you're, if you're getting ready to have kids, you're all excited about it and you're thinking about it, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. But you need to ask yourself this question. Am I willing to watch the same cartoon for the next four years? It might seem blissful, but the panic is coming, all right? And so you just got to kind of work through that. Now, it, it, I can also say this. Don't, don't be mad at me, but like if you've got like toddlers and you want to come and talk to me about the terrible twos, all I'm going to do is inform you that the day is coming when they're going to put a one in front of that two and then you're really in trouble so you know we've just got to figure this all out as we walk through this but it is a great thing to know that we have the example of a good good godly father a godfather that is really in our life look at what the bible says in in third john Third John chapter 1. Look what this is, because this should be our, all of our goals. Look, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. See, what's going on in our world is we find our joy about our kids in a whole lot of other places. I have no greater joy than to see the blue ribbon that my kid won at the state fair. I have no greater joy than to see straight A's on the report card. I have no greater joy than to see them hit the game-winning home run or score the game-winning touchdown or this or that. I have no great, but our joy doesn't need to, now those things are fine. I got no problem with blue ribbons at the state fair. I got no problems with scoring winning touchdowns, hitting winning home runs, making straight A's, winning beauty pageants. But when we as parents find our greatest joy when our kids are doing those things, we are missing the mark. And guess what's even worse than that? We're passing that idea on. That that's where they find their value and that's where they find their worth. 
rather than finding no greater joy than knowing that our kids are walking in truth. And see, here's the deal. All you're responsible for is your part. In this parenting world, there are a lot of different components, a lot of different moving pieces. You are only responsible for your part. Imagine it like this. You've got, you've got your part that you're responsible for, but then, but then there's God's part that he's going to take care of. But guess what? In this parenting world, our kids have their part that they're responsible for. And the older they get, the more responsible they are for their part. They've got to start making great, good, wise choices, and you need to lead them along the way. But you are only responsible for your part. Only responsible for your part. And, and for a while, when they're younger, you're really in control. I mean, you are, aren't you? Like, you know, there's a certain period of time when you are in control, if for no other reason than you outweigh them by 200 pounds or 150 pounds or whatever it might be. You know, there is that season where you are the majority control factor. Now, you're, you're, starting to, you're starting to teach even in those early days, so you're starting to consult. But here's how the pendulum is going to shift. As your children age, as our children age, we shift from being the controller to the consultant. And how we handle that is critically critically important because when your kids are in their 30s and older you want to be in their world you want to be a consultant but trust me at that point long before that point you have lost majority control of the situation so the reality is we all need circles we all need circles that's what these circles we all need circles we all need your children need a circle where they feel really safe they need a circle around them they are in fact a circle but they need to have like this is my like this is my bubble and you can't mess with my bubble and as long as I'm in here, I'm, I'm safe and good. And we all need to have that. We all, in fact, we all do have circles, whether we feel like that they are healthy or not. We all have our own circle that we are like, this is us, okay? But then we need more than just one circle, okay? In, in God's design, in God's ultimate design, there would be additional circles starting with mom and dad. There, there's your circle and then the next circle kind of around you is mom and dad and, and that's a critically important circle in your life now in some cases both mom and dad aren't there for any number of reasons but God's design was there would be a mom and a dad that were there so when mom and dad bo aren't both there and even if they are to help the situation even more we have another circle beyond that that is like grandparents aunts, uncles, you know, people that are family, that are of great importance and value and worth to us in building those circles. And, and then beyond that, we get into friends, and they're critically important. And, and hear me, and we'll come back to this in a minute, but hear me when I say this. The older your kids get, the more influence that circle has. Stay with me. We're going to come back to that. But the older that they get, 
the more influence that friend circle really has on their life. And then there's another circle beyond that that's like teachers and coaches that have so much influence on shaping and molding our kids. Just like Jason was talking about with 9-11. We can all remember like where we were when we first saw planes hitting and stuff like if we were alive and we, we can remember that. But I also would say that everyone in here probably can remember if you're, you know, through school and stuff like you can go back and if, if I were to say, well, who's your favorite teacher? It's not going to take you long. There's one that comes to mind right away. Miss Wilson, my second grade teacher, she was awesome. Or, or Mr. Smith, he was my algebra teacher in high school. And he taught me so much more about life than, like, we know those people. Or coaches that, like, just really, like, impact us in huge way. I was blessed. I had a lot of great coaches. But I remember Coach Stan, was my Babe Ruth coach. He taught me a whole lot about pitching, but he taught me a whole lot more about life. And I'll never forget that. I'll, I'll never forget that. And so we have those people, those teachers and coaches that are one of our circles at, that are around our kids. And, and then hopefully we've got some real, so, some real, uh, you know, decision makers. We, we've got some real uh, people that are just like youth sponsors and people that, that are helping make a huge, huge difference in their life. They're difference makers in our kids' lives. Now, here I say all that to say, look, Jesus modeled that. All those circles, Jesus modeled that. Because as he comes to earth, then he is his, he, during his humanness here on earth, he is his own circle there. But then what's he got? He's got some other circles. He has three guys that he becomes super close to. Peter, James, and John. And once the ministry years start, every time you, almost every time you see Jesus, one or all three of those guys are around and they're sharing in the really difficult parts of ministry and the joy. And, and the night that he's getting ready to be betrayed, he takes those three and says, let's go pray. Those three are like his inner circle that were important to him. And then there was another circle that's like the other nine guys. The other nine guys that would, would like be groomsmen guys. Like they're that close, but they're not that close, all right? And, and those three and the nine, they make up the 12, the original disciples. And, and then beyond that, they start doing what they do. And then it's the circle grows to 72. And then the circle grows to 120. And then the circle grows to multitudes. But Jesus modeled just during his ministry years here on life how important it was to have circles around you. Here's kind of the interesting thing, really, if you think about it. God is a circle into himself. God, we got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all kind of like a, a team, a part of this. And so it's important for us to understand that we do have, we do have, right or wrong, we have circles in our lives and in our kids' lives. What we want to do is the best job we can of influencing who's in the circles, because you can get some circles that can take you to some really, really, really bad places. And so you want to kind of have a knowledge that those circles exist and do what we can to kind of control or influence who gets to be in the circle. If the circle thing doesn't make a bit of sense to you, think of it like this. Think about a boardroom. Think about a boardroom. In the boardroom, you've got the CEO. Think of it for, for the time being, let that be your child. Don't, don't argue with me on that. Just follow me, okay? Just think about, okay, it, it's your child. And then there's that person that's right next to the CEO in the boardroom. That person has, and you want that seat. 
All right? You want that seat around the boardroom table. Now, I get it. For, for a season of life, you are like the number one investor. In fact, for a season of life, you are the only investor. You own the company. I get that. And so that buys you that, buys you that seat right next to them at the table originally. But how long are you going to get to sit there? How long are you going to get to sit at that seat at the board table of your kids' lives? You know, we've been told that you want to see your future, see your friends. See your friends, see your future. Who's in the circles in your kids' lives? But before you start picking that apart, who are in the circles in your life? Because there's a certain part of things that they are learning by osmosis and just by watching. They're watching who's important enough for you to have around the board table of your life. They're watching who's important enough to be in those, those important, those, those, those critical circles in your life. So who are the 8 to 12 people in your life that carry a lot of weight? And then think of who are the kids people in your kids' life? Because here's what the deal is. Sociologists tell us that we become the average of our five closest friends. That we kind of end up our five people that we're really like our our income tends to be right about the average of all of theirs, and that our our marriage tends to be like the average of how theirs is going. Our happiness level tends to be theirs. But then they went further and they said, you know, but another influence is not just your five closest friends, but their five closest friends. And, and so you've got both coming and going. It's almost like an ocean. You know, if you if you watch the the waves in an ocean, yeah, they come to the beach, but then they go out and they're like there's ripples coming and going and who are the ripples in your life and in your kids life you know the tv show survivor is a great example of that because it's really survivors all about forming these alliances and trying to f- figure out who can i trust now yeah in survivor the way the game plays out you've got to have a certain level of athleticism and physical strength and ability a certain level but far more important than that in the long run is who are you hooking up with? Who's your partners in this? Who, who you trust? Who's in your circle? Who's around your board? Who is your alliances? And the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves and we think about that in our own life, there's some of us in here today that need to vote some people off our island. Because they carry too much influence. But these sociologists took this idea of your five closest friends, and then they did, they did studies on it in, in a couple of really key areas. They, they, they studied obesity and drug use. And here's what they found out. They found out that based on your five closest friends, that if you surround yourself with obese friends, that makes you 45% more likely to gain weight. I know some of you just defriended me. I, I, I get it. I, I did that years ago. I mean, but, but, it, but it has that influence because it's what you do when you hang out together. They went on and said farther that in their friends of their friends, if there was obese characteristics, you add another 20% in the likelihood that you're going to put on extra weight because of who you hang out with. Well, okay, that's, that's problematic on a lot of levels. But then they studied it in drug use and in narcotics. And they found out that the same kind of additional statistics, if your five closest friends are really involved in illegal drugs, there's a 61% chance you're going to be. 
if they're next level, then your percentage goes up, you know, or 29% of what's left and on and on and on. But here was an interesting one to me. This one was really interesting. They did the same study when it came to happiness. They did the same study when it came to happiness about, you know, your happiness quotient based on who you hang out with and who your friends are. And, and the really interesting thing to me was they did it then with that second generation friends. And they found out that if on that second generation friend, just forget the first five, but on their friends, that if their friends tend to be happy, your happiness quotient is going to go up by 6%. And I know some of you are thinking, 6%? Six pennies on it all. What's that? This is what got interesting. They also did it based on if your boss tomorrow, you go to work, and your boss gave you a $10,000 raise tomorrow. They found out that the average person's happiness quotient would go up 2%. Now, now you got my attention. That if the boss gives you a $10,000 raise tomorrow, 2%. But if the friends of your friends are happy, 6%. That's three times as much. And so it's like, who are in our circles and at different levels are critically important. And the friends of your kids' friends end up having a significant significant influence. Look what the writer of Proverbs said. Proverbs chapter 13. Look what it says there. It says, walk with the wise and you become what? Wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Who you surround with. You want to see your future? Look at your friends. Your friends are your future. All right? Look at how this affects our roles as controller versus consultant. Look at, look at these circles here. See, the, the far top left, all right, and that, the, the numbers indicate the age, okay? So between zero and six, you, and that, the, probably the blue's not even big enough here. Between zero and six, you are predominantly the controller, right? And, and just marginally the consultant. But then even just as soon as they start school, now you've still got majority control. You're paying the bills, you're putting food on all those things. But you also need to start being a consultant. I mean, right? We, we tell our kids, first grade, we start telling our kids how they need to behave, not making them behave that way. See the difference? Now we're consulting, not controlling. And then they get to, and I, I, maybe I should have put 18, but to me, 16, like they get a car. That's a huge, they start driving. And you realize, if you didn't realize that you need to talk to some of us who've been there, the moment they have a car key, you are no longer the majority control holder in their life. You are a consultant at best. So how much consulting do you want to have? And then they, 25, older, 30, they get out of the house, then you've got very little control. Like, yeah, any of you got 30-year-old kids, you're trying to tell them how to live? It, 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 forget it. You want to be a consultant, but you want to earn the right to be a consultant, and how you, how you handle that season is important because they are going to need you, and a better circle provides a better experience. Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said, two are better than one 
because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can you keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, parents of toddlers, preschoolers, little ones, parents of older kids. Listen, here's the reality, right? Your kids are going to fall down and scrape their knee. It's inevitable. They are not born into a bubble. They are going to get physically hurt. They're going to get emotionally hurt. And the, more, the older they get, the more difficult the hurt is, the more difficult the falls typically are. But we want them to have people in their circles, on their boardroom, that are important. Because how we treat the other people in the boardroom, you know, those friends, those friends that have those other seats, how you treat those people may very well determine which chair you get. And if they have chosen to invite people around the table and, you know, sometimes you're trying to guide like, okay, maybe they don't need that chair. But how you guide may determine whether or not those kids stay at the, those other people stay at the the table or whether you get shoved to the other end of the table. And so it's important that we keep those things in mind as we age with our kids and we know that our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal in raising our kids is that they function very well without us because one way or another, eventually they're going to. And so we need to work toward that direction and move things in that direction and do it wisely. And do it wisely. Here's what Paul said to the Thessalonian church. He said, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, even people around the table that you don't particularly like. Be patient with everybody. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. As your child ages, they start filling in those those seats. They start bringing other people in. Even if you are doing everything right. Let me say that again. They are going to bring other people. Other people are going to become key influencers, even if you are doing everything right. And guess what? None of us do everything right. So, so how are we going to manage all that? How many, how many of you, I know that you, I know that you've experienced, I guess I'm not the only one, but have anybody else in here other than me ever experienced this? You've told your child something like a gazillion times. That's slightly over eight. Okay. Uh, you've told your kids something a gazillion times and suddenly one of those other people that got a seat at the table somehow tells them the exact same thing you've told them a gazillion times and suddenly that person deserves a Nobel Prize, right? They are the smartest person on the planet, you know, all of a sudden you're like, I haven't done it. Listen, what if instead of being frustrated that they didn't listen to us, what if we're excited that they got somebody in their life? who thinks like we do, who told them the same thing we did, and they listen to it. What if we just like, okay, good, it's a win. 
I, we, we, we got what we wanted anyway, whether we got the credit for it or not. But instead, we get frustrated. We get frustrated because we want them to have good friends. And we want them to have great teachers and, and coaches and, and all those things. But, but let me come pastor for a while. That's why it's so important for us to partner with you as parents, as a church. We're going to talk about that more next week too, but that's why we want to partner with you. But listen to me very carefully, especially if you've still got kids living at your house. We do not, do not want to raise your kids. Ain't our job. We didn't choose to bring them onto the planet. Your job. But we do want to partner with you because we think it's critically important. We want, we want to help fill out the circles and be one of the circles. That's why it's so important to us that we invest so much time, energy, money in hiring you staff and, and helping volunteers and, and trying to have the coolest stuff because we want your kids to enjoy that. We want to be a part of their life. I mean, we need more difference makers. We need more difference makers. In student ministry, we got some great, awesome, awesome, awesome small group leaders, awesome small group leaders in there, but we need a few more. You, need, you know, if you would just say, okay, on Sunday nights, I could give up an hour and a half of my week on Sunday night just to be a difference maker with some middle school or high school kids, all right? And, and just say, I, yeah, I can do that. Because we try to divide them up by age and by, by gender, and so we need some. So see Ray or Victoria, and, and like, we'll get you plugged in. This Tuesday, we have Rise Up, which is a cool ministry we do for moms of, of preschool little kids. But for them to be able to do what they need to do and want to do, and we can help them, those moms, we can just give them a couple hours. We need some people once a month, once a month on a Tuesday morning to come and take care of kids so moms of preschoolers can have a little bit of time together and can figure this out together. And, and, and here, let me really, like, okay, hold on tight. Larry was sitting over there tonight, and he was sitting right over here, and he's like, hold, I was like, yeah, everybody needs to go Larry Baker right now and just like grab your chair and hold on. Hang tight. I love you, but I'm coming at you, right? Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. I need to hear, you need to hear what I'm about to say. If you've got kids living at home, they need to be in our youth ministry. They need to be in our children's ministry, and they need to be in our student ministry. And if they're saying things like, well, I don't have any fun, they are playing you. (laughs) Hear me. They are playing you. And the more they play you now, the worse the hand gets later down the road. Hear me when I say, I get so... (laughs) I get so tired of parents saying, I just want my kids to make their own choices about church. What? You giving them a choice tomorrow when the school bus pulls up out front? No, you're not. But you play that card and say, I just want to give them, I want them to make their own choice about church. They're seven. They're seven. You're giving up control to a seven-year-old. And, and, and you are negotiating with terrorists. And as a country, we have said, we, we do not negotiate with terrorists. All right? And then, I, and then you got middle schoolers or high schoolers, I'm coming after you now. I get so tired of people telling me, well, my middle school is just not, my high school, they're just, they're just not mature enough to handle big church with the adults. Really? They're 16 and you give them keys to the car? But they're not big enough, they're not mature enough to handle church? You're forfeiting control. 
You're dealing with a terrorist, right? And you want to go even worse? They're not mature enough to handle what we talk about in here, but they've all got these, and they've got connections to the World Wide Web, but they can't handle an hour in church on Sunday morning. Come on. You guys better figure that out because you are forfeiting control. You are forfeiting control. You're dealing with a terrorist, and that terrorist is eventually coming after your debit card. To put gas in that vehicle that they're driving, that they're not mature enough to be in church. You're with me, all right? You're with me, all right? See, one of the reasons, one of the reasons your kids may not want to participate in something is maybe one of these circles in their life has a friend or a teacher or a coach that actually had the guts to tell them when they messed up. And they don't want to hear that, so they want to check out of that. Here's, I'm frustrated. I don't know if you can feel it or not, but I'm frustrated. We are dealing with the softest generation of kids in my lifetime. They can't handle nothing. You might want to save that clap. Because the reason they can't handle it is we can't handle it. We have forfeited what we were supposed to be doing, and they're watching us. They're watching us. Man, when I played ball, if my coach had told me I couldn't do something, I was going to run through a wall to prove it. You know what they do now? They go home and get on their computer and just play video games and they don't play sports anymore because that coach yelled at me. I figured out that when I was in trouble was when he quit yelling at me because that meant he'd given up on me. And so parents, we got to step up. Don't complain about this generation without understanding your responsibility to that generation, all right? We all need circles. We need circles that will challenge them. A good circle will never leave you where you are. It will accept you where you are, uh, but it will not leave you there. It will say, okay, good, I, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I know you're soft, but we're going to make you tough, all right? I get it, we're not going to leave you. It's the balance of truth and grace. It's the balance of truth and grace that we all need in our life. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. No one, uh, no, so one person sharpens another. I'm not saying that your circle shouldn't come for you because the Bible says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of the Lord. What I'm saying is that your circles should push you. Push you. Proverbs 19 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted as wise. See, we can't waste time. We only got so much. We only, next week we're going to talk about time and how much, how little time we actually really have. But we don't need to delay spiritual maturity and pushing for that. We don't need to put off pushing and challenging kids. Because here's the deal. I want you to understand this. Just so that you understand this. Our kids are going to have fun in our children's ministry. We do fun stuff in our children's ministry and in our student ministry. That's why trips and some of the summer stuff we do and fall breaks, it's so cool, it's fun. But we are going to push them. We are going to challenge them. And what we need, you know, is we're trying to partner with you and help you. What we need from you is the first time that they get challenged in student ministry and they say, I don't want to go back. Well, then give me the keys to the car. It shouldn't be a choice. 
If this isn't the place, if this isn't the church, you never thought you were going to hear this today. If, the, if you don't think that this is the place that is helping, helping you parent your church, go find that place. We release you. We release you. Otherwise, we got to work together. We got to work together. We got to be in this together. When I was a student minister here years and years ago, I had so many parents, the kids 12 years old, and they come to me, Dave, I, wanna, I think I'm ready. I want to accept Jesus. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. And I'd call mom and dad and say, Johnny wants to get baptized this week. I just don't think he's old enough. All right, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, I, just, I just don't think he's ready. And I don't know how many times I could tell you that that same parent called me six years later when Johnny's a senior in high school, and they're in tears going, Dave, you've got to do something. They're about to leave home and they've never made Jesus Lord of their life. I said, well, they wanted to six years ago and you told them they weren't ready. What you said to them was, it's not that important. We got to have good circles and we got to work on this together. Let me finish this up. Let me finish this up. We all want our own independence. We like having a circle. You ever seen what a magician does with one of these? A magician takes something just like this and puts drapes around it all the way. And so they, they step inside of it and they lift it up to here and what happens to the magician? Suddenly they are gone. They disappeared. We're living in a world of kids that want to live here. They, they, they want to have their circle and then they want to build walls and curtains and so far that we don't even know what they're doing inside of those circles, inside of those walls. And, and, and they do things in there, and we don't know, and we're not a part of it. And then suddenly one day, the curtain drops and they're gone. And we're trying to figure out what happened. We're trying to figure out what happened. See, when, when we're building, and, and it's appropriate to have, we need to talk about our kids having boundaries. My goodness, I can go on forever. Our kids need boundaries, but, but maybe they need to start with fences, and eventually then maybe they need some walls. But those walls, guess what? Those walls, if they don't have doors and windows, we're in trouble. And we got a lot of people building up walls. Doors, no doors, no windows. Nobody can see in, nobody can get in. We need to be interconnected. I, I was born in Tennessee. I, I lived in Tennessee for a year. And God blessed our family and allowed us to come back home. And we moved back to Kentucky when I was a year old. But my birth certificate still says Tennessee. But understand me, I'm a Kentucky boy through and through. From the mountains of eastern Kentucky to Maysville, like I'm, I'm, I'm as Kentucky as you get. But guess what? Guess what? I love that I-65 and I-75 still exist. Because I love that while I'm a Kentucky boy, all I got to do is get on the interstate. Tennessee still Tennessee. Ohio's still Ohio. Virginia still Virginia. But I love being able to get in my vehicle and because of interstates, be connected to states that aren't my state. Just, and I can go there and come. And, and so here's the deal. Our kids need to, need to have circles. They need to, have, they need to be like in their own space. It's like, I'm a Kentucky boy. I like this space, all right? But we need to be interconnected just like with the interstates. Our kids need to be interconnected with other people that can help take them where they need to go. And we need to help them do that. Our children need to be their own individual people 
but they need to be interconnected through proper circles. I got to be honest, it's been a really hard mess. This whole series has been so hard. I don't know if I'll ever do one like this again because all I've done every week for four weeks now is remind myself how many times I've failed. As a husband, as a dad, I'm not a perfect parent, but I have learned some things over the years. I'd probably be a pretty good parent of a preschooler right now. I said that the other night and Kim about panicked. (laughs) But the biggest lesson that I've learned is we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus in our circle, at our board table. And so the best connection that you can ever give your child is the connection to Jesus. The Bible is true. It says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. As those words were written, there's almost an implication that, okay, as they're growing growing up, they might depart for a little while, but you can't come back to where you've never been. And so we need to make sure our kids are connected, not just to their friends, they're important, but we need to make sure our kids are connected to Jesus, and we can't do that unless we are connected to Jesus. So would you guys stand with me? They're going to sing, and... They're going to lead us to another song. And uh, Jason's in the back at the decision room. Bobby's here. Tiffany's in the room. Ray's in the room. Victoria's in the room. We've got all kinds of people that can pray with you, help you. So while we sing this song, maybe you just need to pray, God, would you help me be a better parent? Would you help me be a better grandparent? Would you help me take these things to heart? But maybe if you don't have that connection to Jesus already in your life, we know that in next service, two people are giving their life to Jesus and being baptized. Uh, We'd love to have you join them, okay? So whatever you need to do, let's do that while we worship together.
here's the deal. Just like last week, I need a few of you guys to, as soon as we say amen here, help us get the curtains up before the next service. Y'all were great doing that last week. That helps us a lot. Uh, rise up, that ministry I mentioned uh, for moms of little kids is this Tuesday. So if you'd be willing to help out with some child care, come and let me know that, and I'll pass that word along. Uh, marriage, we've been talking about that. The marriage uh, date night is next weekend. There's a table in the back. You can go back their sign up. Bobby will be around give you more information about the marriage uh, cookout, hayride, everything uh, that's next weekend not this coming weekend, next weekend uh, and then this Friday though ladies is John Pierce. this room is going to be packed with fun and energy I need help I need about four guys that can be here Friday morning and help offload the merchandise off the truck and get it into the lobby and then about four guys that can be here about 10 o'clock Friday night to load it back up. If you can help out with either one of those things, come see me. Until then, let's go love God, love people. Let's go change the world. See you guys.